Welcome to the Wingman Men's Moment, a weekly podcast of the Wingman Nation Men's Ministry, a scripturally driven men's ministry with three goals for every man, striving to be better husbands, better fathers, and more Christ-like and godly men. Join Wingman Nation co-founders Randy Ferreira and Pastor Jay Dennis and an occasional special guest as they discuss issues relevant to a man's needs, struggles, habits, and hurts. And now... Here's Randy and Pastor Jay. Hey guys, uh, it's Randy Ferreira here. Welcome uh, to our podcast today. I'm here with Pastor Jay Dennis. Say hi, Jay. Hey. Hey, we've been discussing uh, for the past couple weeks being the spiritual leader of your home. And first we discussed uh, about the spiritual leader of our home must be a committed Christian. Today we're going to look specifically at um, a world-centered view uh, word-centered worldview of the Bible, and what does that mean to have a biblical worldview, and how many people actually possess it? So a biblical worldview is seeing the world through a biblical perspective. There's a great difference between a biblical worldview and having a secular worldview for sure. You know, oftentimes I'll look to Christian poster George Barna, and he did some research and said that only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. But one of the shocking things was that only 17% of Christians uh, consider themselves to have a biblical worldview, which is greatly concerning. That is. In fact, I, I want to read something here that, that he says. He says, it, it all, George insists, comes back to our households because, of course, it's the parents' job to be developing the worldview in their children. The church is there to support the parents in doing that, whether it's through children's ministry or how they prepare the parents to do the task through the teaching of the church. But really, he says, the most significant thing is what we do with our children. Really, it's those early years in life that are so critical. Believe it or not, he went on, a person's worldview starts developing at 15 to 18 months of age, and it's almost completely developed by age 13. Wow. He says that's not a lot of time, and we as parents aren't the only influencers. You have media, your friends, teachers, public officials. Uh, they all help shape uh, our kids' thinking about what is right and wrong, about purpose in life, about God and the Bible. So it is absolutely essential as as dads, as spiritual leaders of our home, that we help our children develop a biblical worldview. It's important, isn't it, Randy? It's extremely important. You know, sometimes you hear people say, well, I'm not going to talk, talk to my children about church or God. When they get old enough, they can form their own opinions. Oh, and wow. man, is that a huge mistake? Exactly. Huge mistake. Big mistake. You know, it, it's like we have 18 years to pack our child's suitcase. Yeah. And uh, that's not a lot of time. Not and so time. we have got to seize those opportunities to, uh, to tell them about God and his word. And uh, then everyday life, whatever we're doing to bring God into it. God is not some separate compartment. Right. Uh, or a Sunday compartment, uh, a biblical worldview means that God infiltrates every area of our lives. And, and parents, that is vital. Dads, it's vital that you lead the way here. 
You know, Christians, uh, I like this, are called to be thermostats changing the world, not thermometers becoming like the world. I like that. Absolutely. So you're either looking at the world through a biblical worldview or you're looking at the Bible through a secular worldview. So we want to share the nine characteristics of a biblical worldview. What does this mean? It's very interesting, and I think uh, for all of us, these are extremely important because they're things we can think through each and every day and be conscious of them as we're going through our day. But the first one, number one, is that God is real and has all knowledge, is all-powerful, and is everything and everywhere present at all times. And there's there's lots of scriptures that back that up, Jay. I mean, yeah. you know, in Hebrews it says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, uh, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Wow. You know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I guess if you believe that, then everything else kind of falls into place, doesn't it? And that's the key, that faith. It know, really is. Believing and that. Exactly. There's a second uh, characteristic here of a biblical worldview, and that is the Bible is God's word, our only authority for belief and behavior. So either you view culture through the lens of Scripture, or you view Scripture through the lens of culture. Uh, you can't uh, you can't be both. You're either looking at the world through the lens of the Bible, or you're looking at the Bible through the lens of the world. A biblical worldview says, I'm going to see life through the lens of God's Word. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, Paul said to Timothy. And I would challenge anyone out there uh, or anywhere to any issue that we're dealing with in life, any topic we're dealing with life, right. you can find guidance You can in the Holy Book. Exactly. I would challenge you to do that. Anytime you have any issue, any thought that's you know troubling you or you're struggling right. with, you can find an answer for that reference in the Bible. Randy, let me ask you a question that I often comes up in, in my conversations with people, and that is, uh, the Bible speaks very clearly on so many things, but what if I am looking for an answer and the Bible doesn't speak specifically to that issue? Uh, wh what do I do? I mean, how, how do I look to the Bible on those issues that maybe are not as clear? I think you're out of luck. No, <laughs> no Bible references. Exactly. You know, no, I know there are kidding. principles, I guess, you know, in God's Word that help us decide what is right, what is wrong. Right. Yeah. And, and I think in addition to that, if it's, that's where if it's not specifically laid out, we have to go to other Christian brothers. Right. Ask, ask their opinions and thoughts as they feel that have been reading through the Bible and understand it. Because sometimes it's there, yes, but we just don't see it or understand it. But someone who's more versed biblically might be able to bring that out. But it is covered Absolutely. everywhere in the Bible. You can find it. I'm so grateful that God's Word gives us those principles that help us decide what is right and what is wrong. And, and God is certainly faithful. 
Number three is uh, that man is sinful by nature and by choice and is not basically good. You don't hear that very often. You don't. And, you know, we all want to say, wait a minute, we're good people. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. You know, what does that mean? Yeah. But we have to understand what, what that definitely means. And, um, you know, of course, there's scriptures that reference that. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is no one righteousness, not even one. Yes. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can mm. understand it? That's Jeremiah 17.19. Yes. What does that mean? What does that mean right. in, in your mind? You know, you can't trust your feelings. You, you can't trust your heart. You know, people will say, just follow your heart. Well, sometimes that is the worst advice that you can have because sometimes you want to do something that you shouldn't do. So uh, man is not basically good. He is a sinner by nature mm-hmm. and by choice. And, you know, you can see this. Even in a baby, as much as we absolutely adore babies, but you think about that you've fed the baby and he's dry or she's dry and they're still crying. So I wonder what's going on there because they don't need anything. They just maybe want their attention. So you can begin to see this nature coming out even as in babies. Yeah, And absolutely. you see it throughout life. Well, just just as a reference for many of us who may not have some scholarly, uh, you know, education biblically, you know, a sinful nature dates back to Adam and Eve. It does. You know, when Adam sinned and Eve sinned. So, you know, we inherited a sinful nature. That's kind of where it's all started. So it goes back to, again, if you believe what the Bible says, we are inherently sinful from the beginning when Adam and Eve sinned in the and, Garden of Eden. And if we had been in the Garden of Eden, I know we'd like to think, well, I wouldn't have chose what they chose, but we would have. We would have made that choice as well. And uh, we are sinners by nature and by choice. Yeah, but don't get me started on Adam and Eve. Because oh, no. <laughs> I, think about Adam. What a crazy... He had a naked woman and all the food he could eat, and he goes to one apple tree. <laughs> There's something wrong with that. Something wrong with that, buddy. <laughs> I love it. He really messed us up. Oh, Look at number four. Satan is a real personal being who is the enemy of God and good. See, Satan is a real person. He has mind, will, and emotions. Uh, Many people look at Satan as just a force of evil, but Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said he is the father of lies, and Jesus uh, identifies Satan as the enemy of God and the enemy of good. He is a real enemy enemy, Randy, and uh, he will do anything he can to try to get us off track, to tempt us, to distract us, to get us detoured uh, away from God's will. So we're dealing with a very personal and powerful enemy here. He He's mighty, but he's not almighty. That's right. And he is there. You know, a lot of people think, oh, Satan, you guys are crazy. There's no such thing. I've seen that in movies with this creepy being, you know, and so people think that it's not real. Right. That he's not real because of how he's depicted in horror movies and all of that. But I can assure you he is real and he's a spirit that wants to take us down as Christians and wants us to not 
honor God in everything that we do. So while the world's looking for a, a guy in a red suit with uh, pitchforks, mm-hmm. you know, here here he comes dressed to the nines, and and he comes very suave and debonair, and uh, begins to tempt us in ways that we don't even see. Yes, absolutely. He's there and he's real. He is. Number five is uh, <clears throat> that we believe that truth is absolute, not relative. And, of course, there's lots of strong scripture support for that. Uh, Jesus said, I am the truth. Further, he said that God's word is truth in John 17, 17. Uh, God's truth is real and is the only thing that will set man free from sins change. Yes. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's you right. All heard that one, John eight thirty two. Amen. You know, that means that his truth is for all generations, for all situations, for all time, for every person, regardless of who they are, where they are, or when it is. God alone decides what is true and what is false, what is good and evil, what is right and wrong. Yes. So vital that we uh, not look at truth as something that you have your truth, I have my truth. No, it's God's truth. That's right. No doubt. Number six is a fairly controversial one, but uh, it's so scriptural. Marriage is between a man and a woman only. Marriage is exclusively between a man and a woman who make a commitment to God and each other that they will live the rest of their lives as husband and wife, broken only by death or in very few specific cases by divorce, adultery, abandonment, abuse. Now, in our culture, it seems as though the side of believing that marriage is not between a man and a woman only seems to be gaining momentum, and that seems to be the majority of people now. Unfortunately, even believers who are in embracing that, that yes. philosophy, that is certainly not a biblical worldview. Uh, the biblical worldview says marriage between a man and a woman only. Many people will ask me as a pastor, they will say, uh, well, Jesus never said anything about gay marriage. However, in Matthew 19, 3 through 7, Jesus says that what God said about marriage in Genesis remains. And so Jesus puts his stamp of approval on what God said in the book of Genesis that man would that marriage would be between a man and a woman. So it's a matter of are you going to believe what God said? Are you going to believe what the world says? Comes back to this biblical worldview. And in addition, along with the discussion on marriage, we further need to communicate the biblical worldview of sex. Sex is God's amazing gift reserved for married to each other, husband and wife only. And sex between a husband and wife is not only designed by God for pro- procreation, but also for pleasure and intimacy. So vitally important that we teach our children a biblical worldview about sexual issues because they're hearing it from the internet. They're hearing it from friends. They're being bombarded with all these messages that are not consistent with God's word. And we all are. I mean, we're getting bombarded uh, on TV, all the commercials now. There's guys kissing guys and women holding hands. And, you know, there's so much pressure in our society today about this particular issue that 
if you try to give your opinion, you're labeled a racist or you're labeled discriminate. You're yeah. discriminating against people. Homophobic. Poor choice of words, but yes. Yeah. And so, you know, what do we do as Christians? Do we succumb to the pressure and say, well, it's okay? Or do right. we stand firm in our faith and say, you know what? If that's your choice, we love you. Yes. You're welcome, but we don't agree with you. Exactly. We have to do that, and we have to teach our children that. We do. And, and I think that so often, maybe it's the way this has been communicated from Christians. Uh, and you are right on when you say, we've got to demonstrate love, love for everyone. Mm-hmm. We can have these disagreements. We can stand firm on what the Bible says about marriage. However, we can do so in a kind and loving way. And I think that's where we need to really focus on right now is communicating what we believe in a way that doesn't alienate people, but it shares with them that we have a deeply held conviction. Uh, We love them, but we are standing on what God said. Absolutely. Yes. It's uh, very controversial. We could do a whole podcast on that. Maybe we should. Yes, good. Uh, Number seven, let's jump to that. Uh, Worship must be our highest priority. Mm. Uh, Worshiping God is the highest act we can bestow upon God, whether it's through singing, praising, thanksgiving, sharing the gospel or acts of service. Worship helps us usher God's perspective in life and culture. It really does. Something we, as you mentioned earlier, it has to permeate in the fabric of our life. As as God does in having a scriptural, biblical view, worshiping has to be the same way. That's right. And, you know, I like what John Murray said. He said, what or whom we worship determines our behavior. And so what we worship, we become like. So, so vitally important that we understand uh, that we intentionally give our praise and adoration to God, not only through singing hymns and, and choruses, but also in acts of service. In everything we do, this can be an act of worship to Jesus Christ. Yes. Number eight, salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That is a powerful statement. Salvation is eternal life as a result of receiving Jesus Christ alone as the exclusive way to a relationship with God and an eternal home in heaven. Salvation is based on the virgin birth, the sinless life, the shed blood of Jesus while he was on the cross, his death on the cross, and his literal resurrection uh, from the dead. John teaches us that salvation cannot be given Uh, from one person to another, nor can it be earned. So I can't be good enough to go to heaven. I cannot earn my way to heaven. Um, I cannot uh, join enough churches uh, to to go to heaven. I cannot be baptized enough times to have eternal life. It's only something that God gives us as we place our faith in Jesus Christ. A lot of people are confused about that. Yes, absolutely they are. And it's a gift. Yes. And and I think a lot of, because there's a lot of different faiths and religions that muddy the waters there on how to get to heaven and that you could lose your salvation and all of that, it becomes confusing for people. So 
I always like to just try to keep it simple. You know, exactly. I call it the Jesus factor. There, that Jesus, Jesus factor is great. You know, so many believe, well, if my good just outweighs my bad, then then that's enough to get me into heaven. But it certainly is not. Yeah. Another topic that could be entirely a podcast. No doubt. All right. Finally, number nine, uh, that life. And this is also very contribution. Contribu- um, pardon my uh, word. <laughs> controversial. Garbolio, controversial. Yes, thank you. That life is sacred from the womb to the tomb. Life begins at conception. And yes. obviously this is the uh, the abortion issue. A, a biblical worldview includes the sanctity of life. The Bible yes. leaves absolutely no doubt, no doubt about the sacredness of human life, both in the womb and all the way to the grave. So, That's right. Um, there's just, again, it's a, it's a belief system that regardless of the huge societal pressure that we have about right. a woman's body and their freedom to choose, sure. we have to fall back on what does God's word say about the sanctity of life. Exactly right. You know, Randy, you take away Christianity and the womb to the tomb is at risk through abortion, homicide, infanticide, suicide, and genocide. The spiritual leader leads his family to support causes of life. God is unapologetically pro-life. And that is in all areas of our life, including our political life. We have to vote our faith. That's right. And everything we do, not just in voting, not in political, we have to live our faith. We have to vote our faith. We have to act our faith. That's right. Speak our faith. It's all it's all part of um, the characteristics exactly. and uh, supporting worldview. causes of life. Like one more child uh, used to be Florida Baptist Children's Homes, right. but to be able to support causes like that that help with this issue of life, uh, adoption, foster parenting, those are issues. Uh, crisis pregnancy centers that we can support and we can be a part of, and we should teach our children to be involved in those kind of things as well. Absolutely. We have so loved being with you today, and we're glad you joined us for this uh, time of podcast, and we hope you'll join us next week. God bless you as you listen today. Wingman out! Thank you for listening to the Wingman Men's Moment weekly podcast. The Wingman Men's Ministry is based around the Air Force concept of a wingman. It uses the fighter jet theme and parallels the duties of a wingman in the Air Force, his commitment to his pilot and flight team, and how they're related to the men of your church and their commitment to God in their lives, their families, and their Christian brothers. Visit us at wingmannation.com.